Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Hey everyone, Mark Meckler here with the Sunday Night Battle Cry. Glad to be with you guys. And uh, sorry I missed you last week. I hope you enjoyed the speech from Hawaii. I enjoyed going to Hawaii. It was very fun to go there, hang out with our Hawaiian COS family. Uh, some of the highlights, just just actually hanging out with people and seeing how regular people live in Hawaii. You know, most of us go to Hawaii. If you've been, we see what I call Disney Hawaii. It's the fake Hawaii. It's sort of the resorts and the restaurants and all that stuff and the beaches. But the average people there, you know, they're just like you. They got to earn a living. They got to go to their jobs. And it's a hard place to live. The cost of living is out of control. There's a lot of crime there. It's not exactly what we see when we go to the resort. So to my friends and family in Hawaii, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys more than I can say. And every time I go back there, I appreciate you even more. So hope you guys enjoyed the speech from there. Again, it was a great trip and I'll be back again probably next year. So the call to action this week for the Battle Cry is something that I don't want it to sound, how do I put this? I don't want it to be demanding or demeaning or self-righteous. And I think it risks all of that stuff. And that's why I'm issuing sort of the disclaimer up front because the call to action this week is just to work until it hurts. And when I say work until it hurts, I mean, if you want to keep your country, if you're worried about losing the United States of America and you're worried about losing your freedom in this country, you're going to have to work and you're going to have to sacrifice. And I so appreciate that you guys hang out with me here on Sunday nights and a lot of other places online and a lot of other times, and I know a lot of you are working like I am to try to save the country, but the reality is whatever we're doing, we got to do more, right? Because when you look at the way things are going, things aren't going well, and we're going to have to fix it. It falls to us to fix it, and that means we're going to have to do more. So these are serious times. These are, you know, what's the old saying? These are the times that try men's souls and women's souls and kids' souls, and so requires serious people in serious times and that means it requires serious sacrifice and so the question that we all have to ask ourselves and i mean this really seriously is what are we willing to sacrifice right what are we willing to give up are we willing to give up an hour of sleep a day so that maybe we can do some volunteering are we willing to give up maybe a hobby or maybe our saturdays or maybe some evenings or maybe a little bit of time with family are we willing to give up the daily latte, which might cost us four or five bucks a day, and give that instead to a cause that we believe in? Because the reality is what you're willing to give up demonstrates how seriously you take the threat and the times. Y'all look at these environmental crazies, and they fly all over the world in their private jets spewing carbon, which they're so worried about. And that demonstrates to us, to you, to me, hypocrisy, and also that they're not serious because <laughs> they're not giving up their jets and they're not giving up their big SUVs and they're not giving up their big mansions which require more energy to run than the average home than my home or your home and that means they're not serious about the thing whatever the thing is look if you've ever done anything hard in your life ever anything that you're really committed to you know that in order to accomplish that thing you had to do some sacrifice right so if you're an athlete and you wanted to be the best pitcher you could possibly be, baseball pitcher, then you spent hours on the mound. 
You might have spent time in the weight room. You might have spent time practicing when all your fellow players weren't practicing because you wanted to be good. You gave up other stuff to do that. You could have been sitting on the couch, drinking a soda, watching baseball, but instead you were out in the yard throwing that ball over and over hundreds of times, thousands of times because it was important to you. And so you were willing to sacrifice for something that was important to you. You want your kids and your, you wanted your kids and your grandkids to have the best. So you worked hard. You worked the extra hours. You might've been rather been home on the couch watching baseball again, right? Or football or whatever. But instead you were working the sec second job. You were putting in the extra hours so that you got the promotion. You were doing whatever it took so that you could provide for your family and elevate them. Why? Because that thing, that idea providing for your family was so important to you that you were willing to sacrifice for it. There've been things that you've saved for. It might've been your car was breaking down. You knew you needed a new car. It was really important to you to have reliable transportation. So instead of buying whatever the other trivial things you could have bought, you started socking all that money away. You sacrificed because something was important to you. And we've got to look at the country like that. Because from my perspective, <laughs> the country is at least as important as that time you wanted to be a star athlete. It's at least as important as the car you wanted to buy or the house you were saving for. Frankly, to be honest with you, it's as important as providing for your kids. Because it is providing for your kids and your grandkids. Because if we don't fight for this country, if you and I and those of our generation don't sacrifice for this country, then there won't be this country for those who come after us. There might be a United States of America. There, there might be, you know, this country with the star-spangled banner, the stars and the stripes, and, and the Pledge of Allegiance and all this. That might exist, but it might all be kind of, like I said, like Disneyland Hawaii. Because the reality underneath might be a totalitarian state where you're constantly surveilled, where they take all your money, where we have a digital currency and they can shut you down at any time, where you have no privacy, where you have no ability to get ahead unless the government wants you to get ahead, unless you're a favored person or a favored class. That's what we're headed for. And so the question is, what kind of a country do you want to deliver to your kids, your grandkids, and frankly, all of posterity? And I think that's really important. I really, it's hard for me to imagine anything more important than that in the temporal world, that we have to preserve what is good and great and restore what is good and great about the United States so that we preserve that for future generations. And to me, that's something that is serious and it requires sacrifice. It's why I do what I do. I could make a good living just staying home, but I travel all the time. I'd rather not travel, right? I'd rather be home with the crazy dog here who's making a lot of noise behind me, Winston, with my wife, with my family. Winston, you want to say hello to everybody? I'd rather be home with this mite. But instead, I'm out on the road because it's what I got to do. That's the role that I play. Like That's my part in this fight is to be out on the road, is to be raising money for this, is to be doing the things that are necessary in my role so that I can say at the end of my days, whenever those come, I'm 60 years old now, it could be any day, who knows, at the end, I want to be able to say, I did everything I could. That's how serious I am about this. And the question we all have to ask ourselves, and again, I don't want this to sound uh, self-aggrandizing or self-righteous. I'm doing what I'm doing because I believe it's that important. The question is, if you believe it's that important, what are you doing? What sacrifices are you making? What more could you do to make sure that we save the country?
I'll give you a few things you could be doing. You could be volunteering for a convention of states or some other organization. And let's say you've been doing that and you've been putting in two hours a week. Well, make a decision and say, I'm going to put in five. You know, Mark said, what can I sacrifice? I'm going to find a way to get three more hours out of my week. I'm going to get up an hour early, three days a week. I'm going to work in the on Saturday mornings from 7 a.m. until noon to, to do five hours right there, something like that. I'm going to give up my lattes, <laughs> four bucks a day, every day, and four bucks on a 30-day month, that'd be $130 a month. Give that to Convention of States or some other organization, something that you believe in, that you believe is working to save the country, that you believe is standing for the values you believe in. These are things that you can actually do. You know, one of the things that I think we're going to end up getting engaged in is we're going to get engaged in getting out the vote in a different way, legal ballot harvesting where it's legal. We have to pay attention to that. Getting out the vote early, helping to make sure everybody's running. We're going to get involved in that. Are you willing to commit to that? I'm going to work really hard over the next year to build up our telepatriot ranks. And these are people who are willing to make phone calls, literally get on the phone and call other people in the country and ask them to help with our efforts, not just for passing the Convention of States resolution, passing other types of legislation, passing election reform, ballot integrity, integrity legislation, maybe some pro-life stuff, pro-gun stuff, pro-liberty stuff, anti-censorship stuff, right? So that we can be free and we can set up a structure that survives us. So that's stuff we're going to be doing. So the question is, will you join us, right? Will you sign up to Convention of States at conventionofstates.com and volunteer to do telepatriot activities to make those phone calls? We need a million people who are willing to make those phone calls. Would you be willing to be one of those million? And that means actually committing. Yes, I'll commit two, three, five hours a week, every week, five hours a week. It doesn't sound like that much. It's 20 hours a month. Think about that, right? That's 240 hours a year of volunteerism. If you do that, you're making a difference and you could say that you sacrificed and did your part. So the battle cry this week is work. Work till it hurts to save the country. We're gonna have to do this together or we're not gonna save the country. So, you know, I also wanna talk about there's an underlying firmament in the United States of America that holds this whole thing up. It's the foundation of our country. And I don't really care what faith you are or you're not, but we can't forget our Judeo-Christian heritage. Without the underpinnings, the societal underpinnings of our Judeo-Christian heritage, we don't have a country, right? There has to be a common moral code, a common ideal, a common foundation, or the whole thing just collapses. It's like a giant sinkhole, and we're losing that in this country. And I think we have to elevate that. And I'm saying this because once in a while, and it's not that often, but once in a while, I get criticism for openly professing my own faith. You know, I was raised as a secular Jew when I was 51 years old. I became a believing Christian. I was saved by Jesus Christ. And I say that openly. I don't say it because you have to be that way or because I'm trying to proselytize to you. I'm just telling you what my faith is. And I'm telling you that I think this idea of a faith foundation is critically important to the saving of the United States of America. And I get told occasionally, you know what, Mark, when you do that, there might be people who are offended by that. And so maybe we won't attract as many people to COS. Well, number one, I'm always going to be genuine with you guys. This is who I am. I am what I am. If you don't like it, I apologize for that. I'm sorry you don't like it. Uh, I, I feel bad. We're not going to be friends. But the reality is I'm never going to try to be anything for you that I'm not. And I always want you to know exactly what I am and where I come from. Number two is 
I think it's going to take people of faith to save the country. So I think that's important. You know, we do several things that revolve around faith. Our organization is not a quote unquote faith organization. We're not a quote unquote Christian organization. That's not our prime job. Our prime job is getting out there and calling for a convention of states, building the largest self-governing grassroots army in history. But there's certainly a faith orientation among a lot, if not most of our people. And so we do several things. One is on Monday nights, generally with Rick Green, I do biblical citizenship. It's something we're teaching people how to be a biblical citizen in modern society, essentially in what is metaphorically speaking, a Babylonian society. We're showing people the Judeo-Christian foundations of our Declaration of Independence, of our Constitution, how those relate to us in our lives as modern biblical citizens. And I think that's a good thing. And occasionally, to be honest with you, once in a while, somebody will criticize us for that, criticize me for that. I don't take it personally. I'm glad to have your criticisms. I want to know what you think. But my response is, I'm sorry, but that's who I am. That's who a lot of us are. And that's the foundation that's required for the United States of America to have come into existence and to continue to exist. I recently got a complaint from somebody about, uh, there's a show that I've been doing for quite a while with Rita Dunaway, sorry, Rita Peters, who is our national legislative director, and she does a show called Crossroads, and I've been doing that radio show for her as, with her co-host uh, for a while now. I think, gosh, as the co-host, we, we gotta be pushing on a year as her co-host. We teach servant leadership on there. We talk about the news. Uh, this week, we talked about the the ineptly named, uh, what's it called, the Respect for Marriage Act. And somebody wrote in and said that they were a little frustrated and they th thought me being that openly Christian was going to hurt Convention of States. And again, I already answered why I don't really worry about that. I, I am what I am and I do what I do. And I hope that you're comfortable with me because of that, even if you disagree with some of the things that I say, right? I just want you to know where I stand. There's never going to be any ulterior motive or something behind the scenes that you guys don't get. I'm going to be transparent with you and tell you where I come from. And frankly, that stuff actually helps the organization. We have a lot of people come in because we partner with Patriot Academy and they hear us there. And while we're teaching biblical citizenship, they wouldn't have heard about us any other way. And they become COS advocates because of that. So I just wanted to address those things. I think without that stuff, we're going to lose the country, even if we were to call a convention of states. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. I want to switch gears here. I'm going to kind of bounce all over today, so forgive me. There's a lot of news. And I want to talk about Twitter. And I know everybody's talking about Twitter. Everybody's talking about Elon Musk. And this really is a case of Elon Musk against the world against the ruling elite, against the politicians, against the government, against the big tech oligarchs, against the commercial advertisers, all the big commercial companies, consumer goods companies. And it's really bad because Elon Musk is in the fight for freedom. And I wouldn't say he's a conservative. I, I don't know what his overall political leaning. It sounds like it's kind of libertarian slash conservative, but the reality is what he's really standing for is what I would describe as free speech populism. He wants you to have the chance to speak your mind without censorship from the radical left. So what do we have to do? How do we tie this together with what is our action item? It's do the work, right? And so I would say right now, even if you haven't used Twitter in the past, use Twitter. Get on Twitter, make an account, start to use Twitter. And I would say if you're a business, whether you're a small business or a big business, 
advertise on Twitter. I just started talking with our social media people. We've not advertised on Twitter in the past. I'm going to try and do some advertising on Twitter right now. And I hope it works. And that's the plan. But the biggest thing is right now, you and I have to step into the battle with Elon Musk. He's been willing to put $44 billion on the line to make a bet on behalf of free speech. And if you and I don't support that, then honestly, we're not acting like these are serious times that require serious people who are willing to make some sacrifice. I know you probably don't like Twitter. I don't generally like Twitter, but I am starting to try to tweet more and I'm gonna learn about this. I'm gonna figure it out and I'm gonna do it because I support free speech. And that means right now I support Musk and I gotta be in that fight. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a fight with Twitter and, and this goes broader than that, I'm gonna say a little bit about Kanye West and I got to be honest with you, I hate to even talk about this, but I think we really have to. You know, it's been interesting to watch Kanye's evolution, and I'm not even going to call him yay because I think he's lost his mind at this point. And I mean that genuinely speaking. I think he's he's literally having some kind of a psychotic break. I've watched his evolution from really foul mouth, partying, uh, over-sexualized rapper, foul mouth rapper, to seemingly devout Christian, uh, made some great uh, Christian music, really seemed to be turning his life in an incredibly positive direction. Loved that musical phase of his life. I've listened to a bunch of that stuff over and over and over. Uh, and now he's taken a turn into the most bizarre sewer that I've ever seen any human being go. I mean, really, as a public figure to take a turn like this. And he is deep, deep into the anti-Semitic well. He's hanging out with really what I think are bad people. I think uh, Fuentes, Nick Fuentes, bad guy, true white nationalist guy, has said some truly horrible things. He's a Holocaust denier. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, who got very close with all the white nationalists, white racists, I mean, real racist people. Like, there are racist people in the world. And those seem to be now Kanye's closest friends. And Kanye's going out there, he's tweeting really bad anti-Semitic stuff, really bad anti-Semitic stuff. And he went on Tim Pool's show and started going off in an anti-Semitic way and Tim Pool wouldn't tolerate it, so he walked out. And then I think he reached the pinnacle or perhaps the depth of his insanity this week. He went on Alex Jones' show, InfoWars. Alex Jones has been banned from almost everywhere. So he's still very popular, obviously incredibly inflammatory guy. It was too inflammatory for Alex Jones because what he did is he praised Nazis and he he said he loves the Nazis. He says Hitler wasn't an all bad guy. Uh, I understand what he's trying to do here, but he, he, it's just not the kind of stuff that you can say. I mean, it just doesn't fly. And, you know, it's like, oh, Hitler wasn't a bad guy. Don't mind the six million dead Jews over there, by the way. And Kanye said way worse stuff than that. He used all the old anti-Semitic tropes. He talked about the Jewish bankers shutting down his bank accounts, the Jewish people in the entertainment industry keeping him from speaking. Uh, he did some crazy demeaning imitation of Benjamin Netanyahu saying that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu saying we've got to go out and get back to killing people, which is what we always do. It was just horrifying, horrifying, straight up anti-Semitic stuff. And it's, uh, you know, some people are saying they're sad for Kanye and they feel bad for Kanye because he's having a mental breakdown. And and there was some period of time where that was kind of my feeling for him. At this point now, I just think, um, yeah, well, he's a crazy anti-Semite. That's really what he is. And what he's doing is he's fomenting 
uh, real radical anti-Jewish hatred, real anti-Semitism. There's a vein of that that's run deep in the black community, the Louis Farrakhan types, the Reverend Jeremiah Wright types, you know, Obama's former pastor. Those types have always been rife with hardcore anti-Semitism. Al Sharpton, a hardcore anti-Semite. And Kanye is the new generation of that. And it's really dangerous and it's really bad. And I can tell you there's some serious concern in the Jewish community, and there should be. And Kanye has been roundly called out for this. And I think probably he's done in the public eye. But I don't think anybody's going to be interviewing Kanye except for Alex Jones and maybe not even him anymore. So this, uh, I understand why people say they're sad. I think he's probably going to lose custody of his family, joint custody, whatever he has now with Kim Kardashian. I think he's lost all of his endorsements, and I don't imagine any of them are ever coming back. Uh, I think we're seeing the ruination of a man, and in that sense, it's really sad, but it's also really dangerous, and I'm always going to speak out against radical anti-Semitism, racism of any kind I'm going to speak out against. And I think we all have an obligation to do that, by the way. And I think this is part of what are we going to do and how are we going to work and are we willing to really work? And that means we speak out on causes like this. And so I'm going to speak out here boldly and brashly against Kanye West. I know he couldn't give a damn what I think. He doesn't know who I am. But I'm going to say the guy's now just a rabid anti-Semite and we all need to speak out against him. And I'm not going to say he needs to be silenced because I don't believe in silencing people's speech. Judge for yourself about his speech. All right, moving on to uh, other crazy stuff. We're seeing something completely crazy in the world today that I honestly never thought we would see, at least not in my lifetime. It appears that across the globe, in major nations, totalitarianism is under assault. Well, it's on the rise here uh, in the United States with Joe Biden and the Democrats in power. They seem to be totalitarians or the tech companies are totalitarians. What we're seeing right now in China and Iran and Russia all right now, what we're seeing is people protesting in the streets. I mean, and remember, that's not like people protesting here where it might be a little bit dangerous out there or you know, might, you might get thrown in jail. There, you might be disappeared. There you might be killed instantly for just protesting. And we have people literally by the tens of thousands, I don't know how many because these regimes keep this stuff quiet, hundreds of thousands protesting in China, in Iran, and in Russia. Russia against the war in Iran, just against the mullahs and their crackdowns. Uh, and that was a response to the death of a woman in custody in the morality police in China against the Wuhan lockdown. And now it's pretty much expanding to everything else, what they call the white paper revolution because people are holding up pieces of white paper that don't say anything that represents censorship. It also keeps them from actually criticizing anybody in particular or anything in particular. It's much harder to prosecute somebody for holding up a sheet of white paper, but they are being prosecuted. They are being persecuted. They are being dragged off the streets and they're not giving up. And so I think this is really incredible. This could potentially reshape the world. <coughs> you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how these totalitarian regimes react. Are they going to radically and violently suppress these protesters? We've seen some of that in China. We've seen some of it in, uh, in uh, Iran. We've seen some of it in Russia already. But how far will they go? And ultimately, what this ends up being in most countries is a fight between the people in the military or the military and the government. If the military decides to side with the people, that's how the government gets overthrown. 
if not the military sides with the government and it crushes dissent. And we don't know how it's going to go in any of these countries. I think it plays out differently in each of them, but it is a major turning of the screw in the world. And it shows that totalitarian regimes always end up in this place, always ends up with the people rising up against the regime in one way or another, because people long for freedom. Uh, last but not least, I think in our news is reparations. That's right. California is now proposing reparations to the tune of $559 billion. Do you know how much money that is? I don't know how much money that is. I mean, that's more money than I can possibly imagine, but it's more money than the entire state budget in California in 2021. That's how much $559 billion is. They're proposing right now $223,000 per person for housing discrimination, right? Righting the wrongs of the past. And I'm not saying there were no wrongs in the past. I'm just saying this is absurd. And it's just the beginning because they have three or four other areas which they're proposing reparations on. How in God's name is the government gonna pay that? You forlorn Californians of which I used to be one, you're gonna have to get out of there before it's too late because they're gonna take everything, including the shirt off your back. And this is Governor Gavin Newsom. Remember, this guy is probably gonna run for president in 2024. One of the things he's gonna propose is reparations. They're doing it in California right now. They're gonna propose it for the whole country. Bad stuff. All right, what's up in the world of Convention of States? Always a lot. You guys are meeting all over the country, getting together all over the country. I keep seeing events all over the country. I saw a bunch of COS people who won elections all over the country, a bunch of COS people now rising up in the ranks of their party apparatus, um, becoming leaders of the party on the ground all over the country. That's awesome stuff. What I'm most happy about what's happening in COS is I'm not traveling this week. It's a rarity and it's slowing down towards year end for me. I plan on staying home an awful lot. One big deal is uh, on the 13th, I'll be in Florida filming Tucker Carlson for his Fox Nation show, Tucker Carlson Today. Super excited to spend an hour with Tucker. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time. I probably told you guys about that already, but I'm going to keep talking about it because we get to do it. And I don't know when it's going to broadcast, but we'll let you know as soon as we know when that's going to broadcast. Um, Q&A. Let's go to our Q&A because this is, to me, the most important part of the show and my favorite part. Kenneth Meeker asks, can the Respect for Marriage Act be litigated out? Uh, Kenneth, I think it's possible. I haven't looked deeply into the idea of litigation. That's not my specialty uh, as a lawyer or as a constitutional scholar. But I will be talking to my friend Michael Ferris at Alliance Defending Freedom, who is coming back to Convention of States. I'll be talking to Kelly Shackelford at First Liberty. I do expect we're going to see litigation around it. Uh, I'm not sure how much of it or if any of it can be overturned. I think that's a real bad one for the country. Again, this is about our Christian, Judeo-Christian foundations. And this is all about a society that's ordered around the family, too. They're destroying that. The left intends to destroy that. Uh, so, Kenneth, we'll try to have more on the idea of can this be litigated out later on. Uh, Robin Makepeace says, how is America going to survive two more years of this? And my answer, Robin, is I don't know. I don't know. Look, all I know, and I've said this many times before, I'll repeat it again. John Quincy Adams said, duty is ours and the results belong to God. Can America survive one more year of this, two more years of this? I have no idea. I don't know what happens in two years or four years because I'm not God. I can't predict the future, right? All I can do is do the work. All I can do is what the battle cry is today, what the action item is, which is work until it hurts. That's what I'm going to do. 
I don't worry about whether it can work or it can help us survive or not. It's better than not fighting. And so that's what I'm going to do. Craig Snyder asks, how close are we to having enough states to enact this amendment? Craig, it's not this amendment. It's to enact a resolution. And that resolution will allow us to come together in a convention of states. 34 states have to call the convention. So far, 19 states have done so. So we're way past the halfway mark. Only got 15 states to go. I think we got five, six solid ones lined up for the next legislative session. So we're getting close. And then we will get to a convention of states. All right, we're going to finish where we started, which is this is the time to make your New Year's resolution to get ready for 2023 and to work until it hurts. That means go to conventionofstates.com, get signed up at conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, go to the Take Action tab, pick a job you want to do, volunteer, and decide for yourself. I'm going to put in two hours a week, five hours a week, 10 hours a week. By the way, we've got a lot of retirees that put in 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week, and God bless them for doing so. Again, go to conventionofstates.com, sign up, click the Take Action tab, and get involved today. And or, and this is important, give money. Go to the website, conventionofstates.com, click on the Donate tab. Here's the thing that I would ask you, become a monthly donor. And look, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying... Click on it, give 20 bucks a month. That's $240 a year. But right now, I know one of the things we're talking about is a dollar a day, right? A dollar a day keeps tyranny away. That's $365 a year, about 30 bucks a month on average, right? So what you got to do, click on the donate button and give till it hurts. Click on the take action tab, volunteer, work till it hurts. Because if it's up to me, I'm going to save the country. I can't do it alone. I need you with me. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. And I will see you next week right here on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.